On this episode of Cinema Smorgasbord Presents, we do our own stunts. We're taking two steps forward and one step back. After finding success with Yun Wu-Ping, Lo Wei decided to release two Jackie Chan films he had shelved, starting with 1978's Spiritual Kung Fu. Welcome to We Do Our Own Stunts, a chronological look at the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me is the world's deadliest man, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm doing great, Doug. You know, I'm so excited to be talking about Jackie Chan with you and uh, to not be thinking about the world that we live in. So it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> the world is a dark and mysterious and depressing place right now, Liam. So we can escape from it for a little while. and Hopefully our listeners can as well to talk about the life and career of Jackie Chan. Liam, for those who haven't been listening to our most recent episodes, let's just do a quick kind of summary uh, Jackie Chan is famous now. <laughs> Two episodes ago, he wasn't, and now he is because he has made Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master. They were massive worldwide successes, and uh, he's on his way to being a global uh, superstar. Not quite there yet, but just about there. However, he is still stuck in his contract with Lo Wei, who he has had a lot of issues with up to this point, uh, has made a lot of middling films, let's say. Some good, but mostly middling. And uh, that's we're kind of diving back into that Lo Wei work. Um, that, and, and as I said in the very opening, some movies that were already filmed at the time of Snake and the Eagle's Shadow being made that are now being uh, finished and released because of Jackie Chan's newfound popularity. How do you feel about where we are right now, Liam? I mean... I have some mixed thoughts about this movie in particular. Sure, of course. But I'm excited for where we're headed, even though um, I don't know all these movies. It's not like a, a excitement of familiarity, but that's you know th- th- those were the two reasons. I can't wait to talk about the movies that I already love. But we didn't really start this just to talk about First Strike or Rumble in the Bronx. We started this <laughs> to talk about shit that we didn't know, and we've had an opportunity to do that that was like less than satisfying. But I think if if we keep getting movies that are even just pretty good, I think this is going to be a lot of fun, Doug. Yeah, and and there's certainly enough weirdness and uniqueness to what we're seeing right now. It does feel like someone... It feels like someone, when we watch these movies, we have Jackie Chan... Um, he, it's no longer watching one of those Jackie Chan movies where he shows up for one scene, right? It's not one where it feels like he's completely off-model. Now it feels like someone sort of has an idea of what Jackie Chan is all about, but they're still trying to figure it out, so there's a lot of kind of... Um, experimentation regarding it. And that's interesting and exciting in its own way, though I am I have to say, after those last two films, which were so terrific, it definitely does feel like we're stepping back into a uh, off-model version of the Jackie Chan character. Oh, 100%. But also, um, that's okay. Uh, I mean, basically what we're doing here, Doug, is we're in a time warp, because we're going chronologically, but Lo Wei wasn't going chronologically. He yes. had a movie, the movie, he probably had a sense that it wasn't super great, and he didn't know what the fuck to do with it, and then suddenly, <laughs> Jackie Chan is a bankable person, and he's like, fuck, I gotta get this out there and make this money, and he's literally making money off of shit he didn't do, right? right. He's making money because someone else made a good Jackie Chan movie. 
And let's all take into account as well, this is all happening in 1978. This this year, 1978 for Jackie Chan is ridiculous. There's like eight movies all came out that year. Uh, I mean, making movies constantly, having them released constantly. Uh, it must have just been a whirlwind of an experience. And I mean, again, by the time, I mean, he'll be trying to break into the U.S. within two years uh, with the, the big brawl. So, I mean, this is a, a lot is happening in the life and career of Jackie Chan at this point. And, uh, you know, we're we're kind of just holding on for the ride at the moment. I just want to give a quick update on where we're headed in regards to this. Next episode, we're going to be talking about 1978's Half a Loaf of Kung Fu. Then we're going to be talking about his cameo in Two in Black Belt for 1978. Don't know much about that, so I might have to do a little research in regards to how much of him we're actually going to get. And then we're going to move into The Fearless Hyena in 1979. Of those three films, Liam, I've only seen The Fearless Hyena, which is a movie I enjoy very, very much. Uh, have you ever seen any of these that we're about to uh, head into after this episode? Never. Well, then it's, it should be exciting for you as well. Liam, in this opening segment, there is something I did want to talk about. Now, one of the big films of the year 2022, which is the time that we're recording this, is a film called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, starring the great Michelle Yeoh. Um, we've both seen this film. I think we both have very positive feelings on it. I think a lot of people at this point know that the uh, the creators of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, they designed that film to be not female-led, to actually star... Jackie Chan in the lead role. Now, obviously, for anyone who's seen that movie, they would know, hey, that's that's very strange to think about simply because that role seems very clearly designed to be a woman. Well, they had to rethink the whole thing once Michelle Yeoh was on board. In, in interviews with Michelle Yeoh, you know, she says that she talked to Jackie and even kind of taunted him at the idea that he should have taken this role. Liam, how different would that film have been with Jackie Chan in the lead? I... I have a lot of thoughts about this, and I, and sure. I don't want to be too negative because I love this movie so much. Mm -hmm. But I, I think the movie really teeters on an edge of silliness that I think Michelle Yeoh is much more capable of walking than Jackie Chan. And I know Which that's... Is not, I'm, the only reason I'm, I'm going to interrupt you just for a second, that's interesting to hear simply because Jackie's career has been so much more comedy-focused than hers has. That's the point. I think yeah. that he shows up and he, he does even a couple of these uh, more awkward sort of things they have her doing. The movie becomes too silly to me. Um, and, and personally, as much as I love Jackie Chan, I think she is able to communicate uh, both a vulnerability and um, a certain level of emotional depth that I think it's hard. It would be harder for him. Sure. Plus, I think the relationship. I think the the role was still going to be a daughter, even though it wasn't going to be the the actress who's in that role. It was sure. going to be a daughter. The father daughter relationship is different than the mother daughter relationship. Absolutely. And I'm not sure that the movie would be as effective. It might be, but it, it might not be as effective with any male actor and not making it more of a mother daughter relationship sort of thing. Uh, not only that, if we had a, a different uh, main role actor, especially a, a man, we wouldn't have gotten this unbelievable performance from Kei Hoi Kwan, uh, who people probably remember from Indiana Jones and the Goonies. Uh, for me, it was more the I mean, I love Indiana Jones, but I, 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 considering how fucked up it is in many ways, I watched the Goonies far too often when I was a sure. kid, like me over too. and over again. So Absolutely. he's such an important part of my childhood to suddenly see him come back and be this good. Like, I, again, I, not that we shouldn't be talking about how great Michelle Yeoh is or other people. But we expect Michelle Yeoh to be great. Exactly. Exactly. Or uh, what? what's her father? Is, is that James Hong? James Hong, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And he's been great, you know, for the enti our entire lifetime. He's been yeah, great. exactly. The, 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 but the story is so much more interesting to come back after being gone 
after being unable to find roles that you felt like took you seriously to come back. And it's such an amazing role, such a good role for him that he kills so hard. We wouldn't get that if it was Jackie Chan. So there's a lot of aspects to it. But I just think on a performance level for me, because Jackie Chan is... It's not that he can't be serious and that he couldn't bring seriousness, but I think he communicates humor in such a way, whereas I feel like uh, anyone who is familiar with Michelle Yeoh wasn't going into this thinking she's going to be hilarious, which which isn't not, not that she isn't, but I don't know that the role needed that level of silly. It, it would have made it harder for some of the parts of the movie that are really pushing your incredulity. You know, the, yeah. I'm thinking of the hot dog fingers or of the uh, uh, rakakui. <laughs> <laughs> Those elements would be harder to me to work with Jackie Chan. I also, and maybe this is unfair to Michelle Yeoh, I also feel like Jackie Chan's almost too famous to be in the role. And I mean, again, I know Michelle Yeoh is world famous and has been for decades and decades, and everyone knows her and loves her, and whether even in the the West with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but she hasn't been quite as overexposed as Jackie Chan has to, you know, at least Western audiences. So it, when she shows up and she's playing an ordinary person, you can accept that pretty easily. It's just just seeing Jackie Chan for me. There's just so much baggage that comes along with him. It might be difficult to adjust to that. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Um, and and I think that maybe it would have brought in an audience that just wanted to see Jackie Chan do more cool shit. Like they 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 they're there because they have an expectation of what a Jackie Chan performance will bring, and then they're not open to what the movie is giving you which is a lot more about emotions and the immigrant experience and queer acceptance like there are so many other elements to the movie that the martial arts is like not the point even though it is cool it's very cool and i like it but it's not why you're in the room i don't think yeah it also feels modern in a way that i haven't seen a lot of jackie chan films feel that way but maybe that's exactly the thing that he needs in his career It, it, it there's a part of me that when i hear that he turned down this role it feels a little bit like, you know, a Will Smith turning down The Matrix or Sean Connery turning down Lord of the Rings, where it's just like they just couldn't see it, right? They couldn't see how this would be beneficial to them because it's so outside of their wheelhouse to a certain extent. But um, but I guess we'll see. I, I would still love to see Jackie Chan have an opportunity to do something just so wildly different uh, this late in his career that people don't they don't watch it and think, oh, how come he's not fighting like he did when he was in his 40s or 30s? And that he, he can just be, um, he can be appreciated for his ability to perform as an older gentleman, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think it would have been a good choice for him, but I think I'm so happy with Michelle Yeoh that I, yeah. I just can't picture the movie being better with him in it. Liam, speaking of wild, bizarre comedies, <laughs> we're here today to talk about a movie called Spiritual Kung Fu. Um, and when you hear that title, you might not necessarily know really what to expect from what's in there. But what if I were to tell you, Liam, that an alternate title for Spiritual Kung Fu was Karate Ghostbuster? <laughs> I mean, it both works and doesn't work, right? Like, yeah, it, it is a much more accurate representation of what happens in this movie. But also it's not because he never tries to bust those ghosts. He no, he's he... not busting at all. No, I think uh, I think. Uh... Well, Kung Fu Ghost Trainers would probably be a better title, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, even that's kind of a ridiculous title. But I mean, at least if it gives you an idea of what to expect. I didn't know going into this 
really what to expect at all. I know some people like this movie quite a bit. I have to say, I was very glad that both you and I were able to see the 88 films release version of this, the 2K release, because it really does look amazing. I mean, when I was, I, I've talked about this before on the uh, program, but these low way movies, they were very commonly available in the late 90s, early 2000s on cheap like uh, DVD sets and VHS sets. And they would be, like, of course, full screen, absolutely garbage, dubbed versions of these movies. Being able to see this, it, you know, it's not that it has all this visual splendor, but at least it gives you the ability to truly appreciate, hey, this was not a garbage looking movie. It looked perfectly fine. I think it looked very good, especially compared to... I I started watching a version of it that's the more widely available version. Right. And it, and of course I have an affection for the shitty transfers that we grew up with with these kung fu <laughs> movies, but seeing how it was meant to look, it was really transformative in a way of being like, "Oh, this is actually a well-shot sort of interesting eye movie even if some of the content is ridiculous to me." And in fact, the visual style, there's something I want to talk to you about and we'll do that when we talk about the movie proper. But before we do that, as per usual, I want to go through some of the books uh, that Jackie Chan has been involved in that uh, that talk a little bit about spiritual kung fu. In fact, his most recent autobiography, Never Give Up, it barely mentions spiritual kung fu at all. It just um, There's a part in the book where he lists a bunch of the movies that he made at this time period. He basically dismisses all of them uh, until he makes the move from Waloway Studio to Golden Harvest, which is still a little ways away uh, from what we're going to be covering on this podcast, but barely mentions it in any detail at all. Back in his uh, autobiography, I Am Jackie Chan, which in this case, I use that word autobiography kind of loosely because it, everyone knows that it was sort of ghostwritten. But uh, in Jackie Chan's voice, he says, speaking of magnificent bodyguards, which we covered a few episodes back, it was only when bodyguards rapped that Lowe finally approached me, a triumphant expression on his face. He announced that he'd commissioned a script for a comedy vehicle of his own, which would show me and audiences everywhere what martial arts humor was really about. It's called Spiritual Kung Fu, said Lo. I got some great ideas for it already. Just walking up the stairs to get here, I was laughing. I'd unconsciously edged over to where Willie was sitting, looking in vain for some moral support. Willie had his head buried in some papers and was trying to appear as busy as possible. It was clear he didn't want to get involved. Lo rolled over to where I was standing and put his arm around my shoulders. Now, Jackie, I'm not necessarily saying you aren't funny, he said in a fatherly tone. When you get a little more experience, you'll get an idea of what the audience is looking for. This film is going to have him rolling in the aisles. This is the film that's going to break you into the big time. I flinched. I had a hint of the kind of stuff Lowe thought was funny, and frankly, the whole project sounded to me like a disaster waiting to happen. Sometimes I'm smarter than I look. Spiritual Kung Fu was a disjointed mess of bathroom humor and clumsy slapstick with me stuck right in the middle. Lowe's idea of thigh-slapping comic sequences included one scene in which I stuffed a number of small animals into my pants and another in which I urinated on a midget ghost. Liam, how fair is Jackie Chan being in regards to spiritual kung fu uh, with, with this uh, little summary of what he has here? Uh, very fair. <laughs> I mean, those things do happen. I mean, I don't think it's terrible, but I get the feeling that if you were looking to do, you know what I mean? Like, let's say you're in a band and you're looking to change your sound and you really want to go in a new direction and someone brings you something that just feels like a half-baked, under-thought-out version of the thing that you know you can do, you're right. going to you're gonna hate on it. And this is not a Jackie Chan movie. It's 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 very interesting to watch a silly kung fu movie with Jackie Chan in it and be like, wow, they really didn't want to do a Jackie Chan movie yet. Like, it's just not what would become his style and what would 
I think in a lot of ways, not that his movies can't also be silly. I think he's being a little unfair in that sense. But I think he has a much finer sense of humor than Low Way, if this is the evidence of what Low Way <laughs> thinks is funny. It reminds me of when like a an actor becomes a surprise success, someone like an Adam Sandler or a Jim Carrey, and then they release some of their earlier work and they try to make it look like a new movie. And it's just like, that's not, that's not, you know, we know what this actor is supposed to look like and supposed to be acting like. This feels like a nascent version of it. And again, let's remember, this was all filmed before Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master. And, and you know, I wonder what kind of retooling it also went through afterwards to try to fit it more into those molds, if, if Lowe right. wanted to do right. that at all. Uh, this is a quick, uh, also a little bit from Jackie Chan, Inside the Dragon by Clyde Gentry III. Upset that Chan couldn't make a decent kung fu comedy, Lo decided to direct him in spiritual kung fu. While Lo's direction allows for Chan's comic approach to shine, the film tries too hard to be a comedy and fails at almost every turn. Chan plays a lonely temple worker who has to watch over the library and guard it against oncoming thieves bent on stealing the temple's secrets. When five red-haired female spirits show up, they agree to teach Chan the art of spiritual kung fu, which gives him the necessary skills to find the thief who stole an important book from the library. Lo's idea of comedy has Chan urinating on an inch-high spirit and cramming small animals down the front of his pants. As the film progresses, the film becomes completely uneven, settling down into the doldrums of typical kung fu Fair. Uh, we're going to talk about this movie in some detail after the break, obviously, Liam. Um, that seems to echo a lot of what Jackie had to say, in, including the two points that he made specific about what he didn't like about the movie. I do have to say, the only thing I want to note about this is, I didn't realize that the ghosts in this movie were supposed to be female. Is that something that was clear to you? They are? No, I didn't get pick that up at all. <laughs> well, apparently, that is something that was supposed to be the case. Uh, the unevenness is something that we're going to get into some detail on as well, because one of the things that I noted about this movie, Liam, is that there's no fighting, basically, in the first, like, 40 minutes of it, and then there's nothing but fighting in the final 40 minutes. This is something we've seen in a few low-way movies, where it's like it takes a while for the action to get going, and... Uh, you know, it, it it can make the movie feel uneven. It wasn't that I wasn't entertained. In fact, I was pretty entertained throughout the whole thing, maybe even a little bit more than yourself from what I'm getting so far. But uh, it is a movie that you kind of got to wait if you're uh, if you're in it for the fights. I, I It's not that I wasn't entirely entertained. And at first, I was very stoked on the level of silliness. Like when the ghosts first show up, I'm like, all right, this movie's great. I'm all about it. And, <laughs> and while there isn't a lot of fighting at first, I do also enjoy the training stuff that Jackie is doing. Uh, I like those kind of kung fu movies where there's a sure. lot of brutal training and stuff like that. What is hard, Doug, is I feel like the silliness goes on for too long. Yeah. And it sticks with us all the way to the final brutal fight. The fight against the traitor. The fight to establish the honor of Shaolin. And then it's a fucking, you know, Three Stooges routine. And it's just <laughs> not, not only does it not work narratively for me, it's also not funny. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's that's the, the problem is that it, it starts off like, this is kind of funny. But by the time... Jackie's peeing on the ghosts. I'm already starting to be like, okay, all right. And then by the time we get to the end, I think there's a lot of great martial arts in this movie. And I wish it wasn't mixed with some stuff that I just felt like was mm, a little tiresome. Totally inconsistent at the very least. This is uh, a movie yeah. that wants you to take certain parts of it seriously while being so unserious throughout so much of it that it's hard to know what you're supposed to be feeling. Let's take a break, Liam. When we come back, let's get into it. It's 1978's Spiritual Kung Fu. Line up! 
Now, what are you doing here? Causing all this trouble. Did someone do you harm? Is that why you're here? Talk. Go on. Who are you? Now look, I'm asking your name. So tell me, stop pointing. What? A dragon? And you? A snake? Then you five, come here. A goofy student is taught a lost martial arts style by five ghosts. It's Spiritual Kung Fu from 1978, aka Quan Jing, aka Karate Ghostbuster, as we mentioned, also known as Karate Bomber. This is the description from Jackie Chan's book, I Am Jackie Chan. A meteor crashes to the earth, releasing five spirits who teach me spiritual kung fu, also known as the Five Fists style. I use these otherworldly techniques to retrieve a stolen kung fu manual for the Seven Fists style, a technique that's two whole fists deadlier than the Five Fists style. With this film, Lowe tries to prove that he can make a comedy, but much of the humor was vulgar rather than funny. The only laughs in the film come from the special effects. The so-called meteor was a sparkler being waved around in front of a black backdrop and the five spirits are actors in brightly colored wigs and shining hoop skirts. Uh, it was released in Hong Kong on the 23rd of November, 1978, directed, as we mentioned before, by Lo Wei, who we're very familiar with at this point, and written by Pan Lei, who also wrote New Fist of Fury, uh, which is one of the films that we covered a while back on this podcast, starring Jackie Chan. Uh, some other familiar faces in here, including Dean Sheck, who we've seen in several of the recent films, uh, though it doesn't have as big of a part here. James Tian plays the villain in this. James Tian probably... Familiar to fans of Bruce Lee, uh, he shows up in a number of Bruce Lee films, but also in a number of Jackie Chan films that we've covered so far and will continue to into the future. I believe he also appears in Half a Loaf of Kung Fu, which we'll be uh, covering on the next episode. Some other unfamiliar faces, but we'll get into that when we talk about it. As I've said already a few times, along with Dragon Fist, this was actually a film made back-to-back -back with Dragon Fist. Low-Way Studio was going bankrupt at the time, and these uh, movies were shelved, but after Jackie Chan became a worldwide success, he, he was able to get financing to finish these movies and release them. This movie was apparently quite a big success as well, though Jackie Chan never really lists it in terms of his big successes of 1978. But, you know, this is a movie that was kind of trading on the success that already uh, was happening, was in the, the midst of occurring. Liam, you've already given me some hints in regards to your feelings on this movie. Tell me your thoughts on spiritual kung fu. I think there's a lot here to enjoy, although it even as the movie is pretty good, it's a continual reminder that Lo Wei still doesn't understand what Jackie Chan has to offer. Right. Because really, almost any jerk-off could be in this who who's good at, you know, the, the physical stuff that Jackie Chan does. And there is a lot of fun sort of fighting from him. But again, none of the fighting has some of the fun humor that we know Jackie Chan is capable of. And the character itself, he's just irresponsible you know like he's not charming which is what jackie chan can bring to the character and and so uh, and the, the the big sort of conceit of the movie that i think is cool right is these spirits show up these spirits 
of the five fists, the five styles, and they're yeah. going to teach Jackie Chan because they respect his chi, which we even see he like manifests his chi, and they're yeah. so intimidated by his chi that now they're going to teach him the fucking styles. And, and all that's fine. Um, I think that's that's pretty cool in a lot of ways. We should note, by the way, that these characters are mute. Like, they don't speak. They don't speak. They're bright white with these red fright wigs, and they yep. each have an animal attached to the top of their head to suggest the animal style that they represent. And I think that that the humor of them showing up and making fools of these Shaolin monks is funny, yeah. mm-hmm. but it ends up being longer than the training sequences. And it becomes like a meat yeah. of the movie is all the various ways these ghosts are fucking with these monks. It's just not that funny. It's at first, it's very, I was like, I can't believe we're doing this stuff. This is great, you know? And as, as a, uh, uh, you know, an amuse-bouche, I think it would be very awesome. It's, it's you know, it's like when you have a, a, a meal and there's unexpected bacon, or if you're vegan, unexpected truffles, or, you know, there's a little bit of something <laughs> you weren't expecting to be there that adds a little flavor. But then as you keep eating, you realize there's just too much of that. It's actually yeah. most of what it is. And, and they push it, and they push it, and they push it, so that even some of the cooler fighting scenes uh are 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 sort of tainted by two things one we never have the catharsis of trusting that Jackie Chan's character has learned anything like he right. he gets slowly better at martial arts and and we do see him defeat the trial the uh uh Arhat was it Arahat trial or whatever the yeah the basically a, a series of Shaolin monks that he has to fight yeah and that's cool but that should have been the evidence that like now he's like the man or at least yeah. heading towards being the man but instead he then gets his butt kicked then fights the guy again with no insight as to like what is he doing different now that he's not totally losing? Yeah. And then we culminate in what is basically a Three Stooges gag. It's, yeah. it's, it is really disappointing and unsatisfying, despite the fact that there is some really fun martial arts going on here. And, and I certainly would not say that, therefore, people should avoid this. We're not talking about a bad like, – I, I want to be clear here because we have covered some bad Jackie Chan films sure, on absolutely. this podcast. This is not that. This is fun. But it's it's fun in a way that's hard to enjoy when we just watch two movies that were really showing us what Jackie Chan could do. Because here's a movie that's pretty good, but it's not good in the way that Jackie Chan could really bring to a film if he was given the chance. It feels like an off-model Jackie Chan movie, except that model didn't exist at the time that this movie right. was made. Exactly. Right. So the, the, it, it it feels like it's inching closer, but you can't inch closer to something that everyone already knows what it is. It's it's kind of a funny the way that the release schedule ended up happening is actually kind of funny in retrospect. But it starts out with a very familiar version of Jackie Chan, right? Him being punished by the Shaolin monks. I still don't understand why his character was such a rascal, considering he was apparently raised in the Shaolin monastery, right? Like, it's like, where did he learn to be such an asshole during this whole uh, whole uh, ra- uh, getting raised up in it? He also is not bald in it, which is only notable because so many of these Shaolin set kung fu movies at this time period... Um, had the character be bald, like in the 36 Chamber of Shaolin. There's a lot of good reasons not to have it. I think the suggestion is is that he's so young in this that he hasn't even reached that point in his training, right? That he's still kind of a very much a lower level uh, uh, person in the Shaolin uh, temple. They say it really quickly, Doug. You might have missed it. He's not an initiate, which would be someone right. who started the devotion. He's an orphan, so he grew up at the temple. And yeah. that's all those guys with hair are the orphans. And the idea is they have to do shit 
to live there, but they right. haven't made the next step, which would be to start the official progress, the official training to become monks. They're just there because, and that's the other weird thing. I think he's supposed to be kind of a kid. Like, yeah. I think he's supposed to be a teenager. He does not look like a teenager in this movie <laughs> at all, nor does any of his compatriots. They all no. look like 30 somethings who have nothing better to do with their time but just hang out at the Shaolin Temple. And then that that goes back to what you were saying as well. The idea of, of why is he so good at kung fu? Well, he was he, you know he's raised there, but he has a like a master. He's a blind monk, like a, a blind Shaolin uh, monk. Um, and we know that they have a relationship because he's basically always foiling Jackie Chan's schemes in the first like twenty minutes or so. But we never see them train together, right? We we know that he's learning from the ghosts, the five fists, but that's not supposed to be his only training. We learn later that, that his master says that, oh, he's very good at Kung Fu, but we never see that get refined. So it's really surprising when he then has to have a showcase where he takes on, what, 12 monks by himself that he can just do it. It's like, when we're like, shouldn't everyone be shocked at how good he is at this at this point? Yeah, they just accept it, even though he's only because I mean he's done stuff for the monks, but it's all embarrassing bullshit he has to do because he's such an asshole. Exactly, and, and yet they watch him beat up, and it's eighteen. It's the eighteen, 18 arhats. Right. So he beats up eighteen monks with poles. He's not perfect. He they get him sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But he still wins, and they're just like, cool. I guess you're just good at kung fu now. See you later. Go do your thing. What? No. At least one character would be like the fuck is going on how'd this asshole get good at this and also like, how embarrassing not only has he already fought one of our guys in a long fight now we're all fighting at the same time and we lose that and then we fight him all of us one at a time and he beats us all like that it's like jesus go back to the drawing board at that point it's a very strangely laid out movie because another part that uh, the kind of subplot in it is jackie chan falling for this woman uh, played by Mo Mansu in the film, who's like the daughter of a kung fu master who comes to visit the Shaolin Temple. He fights her a couple of times uh, in, in some really interesting, fun fights. And they're supposed to have developed some sort of relationship. And she asks him if, he, if he's ever left the temple before. And he says no. So the suggestion is he's never had any experience at all outside of it. He beats these monks so he can leave the temple. And there's no scenes at all of them developing a relationship, no scenes of him kind of a, as a fish out of water type thing, trying to find himself outside of it. There's just one scene of him encountering the big baddie, and then they're just back at the Shaolin Temple. Well, because, Doug, what we've left out is actually supposed to be the most important part of the movie, but it's actually one of the most boring parts of the movie, which is that this movie is a murder mystery. Yes. It is, at its heart, a a weird version of an Agatha Christie novel, only it doesn't feel like the characters care that much. They don't even realize there is a mystery, really. It's just a frame-up, and then bada-bing, bada-boom, when Jackie Chan kills the, the one dude, the frame-up is over. But, like, no one really sort of... It, it, it lacks its, like, chamber room moment where the blind monk gets to be like, I actually knew the whole time. Here are the clues. I'll reveal the clues. I mean, it does me. sort of have that moment but it's, right I but mean, it's not that, it's not that important to the plot no. really yeah yeah especially because and and i don't want to make any judgment call on you liam it was fucking obvious the entire oh, time 100 who the bad guy was the whole but, time but the movie circles around that mystery even though as an audience member you fucking know right in yeah. fact i was almost hoping we were wrong and they're gonna fake us out that the main Grandmaster's red herring, and it turns out it's actually Blind Monk. And the movie was fucking with you and was like, Oh, you thought it was this guy? It's actually this other guy. You're so surprised. And it's like, No, no, it's the guy. We all know it's the guy. Let's do the moment, you know, whatever, whatever. I do like that, like the big crux of how they know, like, like 
one of the monks is suspected as uh, being a murderer because he has this like Buddha palm move that leaves the big palm print on someone's chest after he kills them. And he's the only one who knows how to do this move. So when they find a dead person with that palm uh, imprint on them, they're like, well, he must have been murdered by this guy. And then <laughs> it's revealed, oh, no, it's just like dye that someone has put on his chest. And like no one has decided to even like touch it to see if this is actually the guy. But I mean, that's the kind of 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 logic that a lot of these movies make so we can't really uh, get too upset about it but yeah the big twist in this it it really kind of falls flat and i do have to admit that as soon as we see james tian's villain character be given the book near the beginning of the movie by somebody that we don't see i'm like well i know who that is right it's obviously this person who has gone off and locked himself away (laughs) One hundred percent, and I think that's that's the other thing. Like I, I, you know, I'm complaining about the ghosts because I do think that's a hand that's overplayed. But maybe the ghosts would be less annoying if the actual main plot, which it shouldn't be, right? The main plot should just be Jackie Chan learns spiritual kung fu. Bada bing, yeah. bada boom. That's all we need. But a lot of the movie revolves around this fake murder mystery, and that is so unsatisfying. There's no mystery to it. You know who it is the whole time. And then the reveal is not satisfying at all. He's only revealed because Jackie Chan wins against his son, who turns out sucks at the seven fist, whatever it is. Uh, another reason that I was a little disappointed in certain parts of this movie, Liam, is that it sets up the beginning like this is going to be full of ninjas because there are some ninjas that come in and steal the uh, the book, and I wanted more of that, but we don't get it for the rest of the movie. Even if you're not really in tune with the plot, there's a lot of action in this movie. It is, again, weighted towards the second half, but there's tons of fights, including some really lengthy ones involving Jackie, and one thing we haven't mentioned so far is that Jackie was the choreographer in this movie as well. So he actually choreographed the fights. There's a lot of inconsistency in terms of the quality of the fights, but I want to get from you, uh, what's the most or some of the most notable fights for you in the movie? Uh, you know, Doug, it's it's a little hard to say because um, it, the most memorable for me is really hit the final fight with not the the head monk which is a bit disappointing but before that where he defeats um james tian's character yeah 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 yeah. and uh that's actually the second time that they fight that's right back to back basically yeah uh and i think as much as i really like the visuals of that fight and the fight itself it also narratively doesn't make any fucking sense and it's better when fights work in the story but there's no evidence as to why he's suddenly doing well so that makes me inclined to instead focus on something like um the pretty climactic fight with him and all the pole fighters which uh, you know if you break it down he fights one guy just with a stick that's pretty good i do like that it shows he's not perfect like he yeah gets hurt a little bit but then he fights i think it's 18 monks with these with these uh billy clubs while they have the giant poles that's fun i thought all that was very fun even though the way that it ended it felt like he lost but i guess he didn't lose in the in the end (laughs) right because they say he passed the test but i'm like i don't know they they had him pretty immobile but maybe it's just like he was able to fight the ball for so long or whatever whatever um and then so like i'm sort of counting this as one long fight because then yeah yeah he he uh he fights them all at once and then individually fights them that whole sequence was just honestly beautiful is really well done if you like just the um 
the choreography of it all, the majesty really of these bodies moving, the the idea of all the different ways that they shoot it. I just think it's a really impressive sequence. But again, part of me is kind of like, no one is surprised. Just a couple of shots of the mugs being like, holy shit, I can't yeah, believe right? he's doing this. No, they don't care. He's just fighting the pole guys. And they're like, oh, yeah, you passed the pole test. All right, go do whatever you need to do. It's just, again, uh, there are a number of fights where they don't narratively make sense for me. And uh, in fact, the only part that maybe does make sense, even though I don't consider it a fight, you've you've put it on our little list here. When, yeah. the, when the ghosts start fucking with the monks. <laughs> It makes sense for the movie. It goes on way too long, but it, it makes sense for the movie, and there are some fun moments in that. The only part of that that I really was like, Jesus, I don't know if I can handle this, is when they show the skeletons, because the skeletons <laughs> are so dumb. Oh, you got to explain it. You got to give a so little more what, detail. What happened, what oh, all right, so guys, the ghosts show up. They know that there's ghosts there, but they don't know what to do about it. They so can't what, see them. They, they can't yeah. see the ghosts. But sometimes they can. Yes. Right. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. the ghosts are visible and sometimes they're not. So one of the monks gets this spell that, in theory, if he puts it over his eyes, he can see the ghosts. Yes. Only what we discover when one of the initiates steals the spell and uses it himself is that if you look at humans, not ghosts, through the spell, <laughs> you see their skeleton like it's an x-ray machine or something. <laughs> and the skeletons... They look like the sugar skeletons you see on Day of you know the the, yeah. the Day of the Dead, Dia de yeah, los Muertos. They do. Uh, they look like those sugar ones, which are not anatomically accurate. In case you were wondering, and it's the goofiest shit I've ever seen in my life. I also like that he they continually be are scared by seeing these skeletons when it's just like like that's the skeletons in that person's it's just a body. Skeleton. It's not that it's big a deal. Just a fucking, just a fucking skeleton. skeleton. Honestly, I was very amused by, by it. Just the idea. It's like there there are ghosts right there that you can see. Don't be afraid of the anatomical skeleton in front of you. I, I, I think the idea is funny, but I was just so distracted at the idea that like none of you could just buy. I mean, maybe it's just the 70s. They didn't have plastic skeletons, but come on. There's got to be something a little better than these cartoony ass fucking skeletons. <laughs> Uh, in terms of the fights, if there, I just want to give my own thoughts in re- uh, in regards to what I thought were the best. I mean, I think that that scene with the Shaolin monks um, is by far the best fighting in the movie outside of outside of maybe the last fight with James Tian, simply because they're moving so quickly and yeah. there's so much kind of close combat fighting. But the thing about Jackie Chan's fighting and choreography at this time period is that you see him do a lot of the same things. Um, and it's not that it's not impressive. It's always impressive, particularly the the acrobatic type stuff. But it's not as diverse as it will become. Yeah, he doesn't have the come. creativity yet. And and, yeah. and and part of that might just be he's unwilling to break a certain mold, maybe. Like sure. maybe he feels like this is what people want because this is what you do. Instead of him saying, well, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want because this is what makes sense to me. I think seeing him work with weapons, right, with the stick and with the, the tanfa, yeah. the yeah. Billy Club. I mean, that that I think – really kind of helps break up the fights a little bit. I do like the fights versus uh, Momenso as well, the the female uh, in the film, even though she really becomes a secondary character. There is that other thing, by the way. So the reason he's fighting these monks is because he wants to leave the Shaolin Temple to try to track down, at least this is what he's telling people, to try to track down the monk who was the murderer, who everyone thinks is the murderer, who has gotten away. Uh, he's gone down the mountain, so he wants permission to go down the mountain as well after him. So he does win this fight, or at least wins it enough to be able to leave. And then 
the guy never gets like the guy gets captured. We see him at the end, and he's been captured. The monk has, but Jackie Chan doesn't do it. We don't know how he got captured. It's so strange. It's like a whole chunk of this movie seems to be missing. On the eighty eight films uh, Blu ray release of this, there is a cut scene. Uh, between Jackie and Mo Man So's character where they're developing their relationship a little where they're like w- running through the woods and kissing and stuff like that so like that seems kind of like important for that part but there just seems to be a whole part of like the story in the final half hour or so where it just doesn't come together properly Liam you've already talked a little bit about Wait, can how we, can we take can we follow that there's one more thing we should mention which we don't sure. really do which is this film their first fight is based on the idea that my man has been so isolated from girls that yes. he thinks it's appropriate to say to a lady, so all the students here tell me that when I leave the temple, I have to touch an ass. So, like, can I touch your ass? I, I just want to touch your ass. And she's like, no, what the fuck is going on? Like, obviously, you can't touch my ass. And he's like, uh, I think I can, actually. Just let me touch that ass real quick. It is... One of the weirder, I mean, obviously there are awkward moments throughout a lot, a lot of movies around sexuality, but this one, Doug, I was like, so we're supposed to think that at the at the monastery, they're so isolated that he thinks he could just say to any lady that he meets, yo, let me touch that ass. It's cool. He's, I just he, want to try it out. It's implied that he's never seen a woman before. Never. Well, again, lots of people who've never seen a woman don't immediately go, let me grab that ass. Like, it is it is one of the weirdest comedic moments I've seen. I mean, it's played for laughs. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be funny. It's not funny. Funny. It's just awkward. It's such it an is awkward, awkward interaction. She does beat the shit out of him, which is helpful. That part's fun. That's a fun <laughs> thing. But but it's still strange that he's so like, yeah, I'll just grab that ass. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, I just don't think the monks would. I don't think being isolated means you think I can grab any ass that I feel is appropriate. It's very sure. It's just such a weird interaction, especially because he's a little incensed. Like, what's the big fucking deal, man? Just let me <laughs> grab that ass. I mean, he. To be clear to everyone, he says "bum" in the English yeah, translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know what the word is in in you know Mandarin or Cantonese or whatever they're speaking. He might be saying "ass." I don't know. <laughs> uh, Liam, I have a suspicion about this movie, and I wouldn't even have voiced it except I was thinking it while watching it, and then I read friend of the show Will Sloan's review of this movie on Letterboxd, and he mentions the same thing. I suspect that this movie was also meant to be shown in 3D. Just like Magnificent Bodyguards was, because they punch at the camera so much. There's they so much punch at the camera punching. so much, and they even switch to angles sometimes where people are like jumping towards the camera. It just feels like maybe it's it's either that this movie was meant to be in 3D, or Low Way was so used to filming in that way at that point sure. they just be like, I can't get out of this habit of shooting things as if they were meant to be in 3D. But there are multiple fights that aren't shot that way, so it almost yeah. feels like midway through production they're like, guys, we can't do it, no 3D on this one, and they're like, oh shit, I guess. We better stop punching at the camera. Because yeah. imagine if this was 3D, right? If you went to see this movie in 3D with that climax that has almost no camera punching, like if you're seeing a 3D film, of course, throughout the movie, there's there's things coming at the camera, and that's part of the fun. But the idea that for the whole both fights of the whole climax, no one was like, and this is the part where you kick the camera. That, <laughs> it doesn't fucking happen. So if you did see this in 3D, you'd be like, God damn it, what's going on? I can't get even a pole or a spear or some shit coming at the camera. It's very weird, Doug. But you're right. I thought that too, that like either this is a style choice where they just thought it looks cool even not in 3D, sure. or this was meant at some point to be shot in 3D. 
I was just thinking that this movie, there's parts of this movie that remind me of like a Godfrey home movie where it's just like pieced together from other unfinished Agreed. movies. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> you just need a scene with someone with the word ninja written on their forehead <laughs> running around in the woods. Uh, Liam, let's talk a little bit about Jackie Chan. He plays Yai Lang here. Uh, he is a orphan. He has been raised in the Shaolin Temple. He is a rascal, kind of an asshole, in fact. Uh, maybe very much an asshole. Um, and he is recognizable. He is recognizably comedic, right? I mean, this is a character that we're not supposed to take particularly seriously. He's supposed to be funny. He interacts with these ghosts all the way through. But he's not the Jackie Chan character that we've seen in Snake in the Eagle's Shadow or Drunken Master. It's funny. In those two movies, they're very different Jackie Chan characters to a certain extent. But there's a tone uh, in regards to the comedy in it that seems pretty consistent. What's up with the character here? What did you think of Jackie Chan as this character? I mean, I think his performance is fine. But there's two key elements that are missing. I kind of hinted at already. But let me nail those points harder. One... All of the fighting, except for when the ghosts are making a fool of him, are is serious until the final fight, right? Like, one of the things Jackie Chan does is there are gags in fights that he that his characters do fun, humorous, whimsical things while fighting. That doesn't happen here until really the end, and then he's not doing the whimsical things. The ghosts are. The ghosts are getting involved. Go, go into more detail about that. Like, How are the ghosts uh, involved in that final fight? In that final fight, the Grandmaster Shaolin Temple, Jackie Chan doesn't have a fucking chance. He's beating his ass. But at a certain point, it's revealed that he wears the manual for the five-fist technique on his chest. Yes. And when the guy keeps punching the manual, the ghosts come out, and they're like, fuck this guy. So they start fucking with him, and uh, sometimes we see shots of them like holding him, and sometimes the guy's just sort of like pantomiming what would happen that, if yeah, that, a that ghost... Yeah, like his fist is being held yeah. back or... But, but they're not directly him. beating him up, really. They're just sort of inconveniencing him to make it easier for Jackie Chan to beat him up. But sure. also, Jackie Chan seems to have forgotten that the ghost exists. So yeah. regularly, he's punching the ghost when he should be punching the guy. It is... <laughs> Not well executed at all. It it is the sort of thing that I imagine would get cut from a three. I keep seeing Three Stooges. It th- you would cut this out of a Three Stooges movie because you'd be like, nah, this one's this part's not funny. It's not working there, for you. There is one gag in it that I found very funny, which what is was when that? one of the ghosts they demonstrate that Jackie should use their fist technique, and he does it like he, he prepares to do it, and then the other ghost knocks him out of the way, and he says, no, no, do this one instead. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all competitive in regards to it. Now, when I say they say that. Again, they don't speak in the movie at all. They just kind of demonstrate it. Pantomime. Um, yeah, they pantomime it. That's exactly right. And I did find it funny that they were like competitive. And he's like getting frustrated because he's in the middle of a fight at the time. But yeah, the idea that they're just like constantly holding like limbs back and like it's also weird that the final fight in the movie is an unfair fight. I mean, that's not unusual in the other direction. In fact, when he's fighting James Tien before he kills him, James Tien has like a second, like a guy that he's, he's been with the entire movie. And that guy steps in and starts fighting Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan just fucking murders that guy immediately, which is so funny. I think he even says something that's like, say, say you could see him in hell, that sort of thing. Like he's just dead. But like the idea that it's like, now that we have, it's the big reveal that the leader of the Shaolin Temple, he's been a bad guy the whole time. Him and Jackie are going to fight. And it's like, where were the ghosts before this? <laughs> Why weren't they helping with the Shaolin fights and all that sort of shit? Well, I know it's ex- it's explained that they're all trapped in his the book that he has attached to his chest. It just This could have all used a little bit more explanation. Yeah, and so I, I think... I think uh, that's a key thing about his performance is that we're not getting humor in the fights at all. The other thing is, as you said, he's a bit of a dickhead. And 
there's nothing charming about him. Like there's some there's something about a lot of his other performances where he's able to and not all the time. Sometimes he's charming the whole time. But so when he's a dickhead, there's still charming moments or he learns something and becomes less of a dickhead. Exactly. When, yeah. When this or he's movie, able to incorporate his dickheadedness right, into being yes. a serious person, right? 100%, 100%. And this movie ends and it's unclear he's learned a goddamn thing. <laughs> That's true. And it's just like, I mean, even to the final gag where he steps on the book and the ghosts beat him up. Why would he step on the book? What the fuck is going on? It's just the the movie feels like it's not interested in taking him seriously as a performer. Honestly, the movie feels like low way saying you're just some dickhead. Anyone could do what you do because it's literally like there are so many moments where Jackie Chan, I feel like, could uniquely have brought something to the movie and he doesn't at all. Liam, any final thoughts on spiritual kung fu? I feel like we're seeming a little more negative, or at least I am, seeming a little more negative than I actually was on this movie. I did find it very entertaining, and in a lot of ways, it's much better than uh, some of the low-way movies that we've watched so far. Some of the fights in particular, like, I think the fights are almost at the level, in some cases, of... Snake of the Eagle Shadow and Drunken Master. The choreography is, 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 like, reaching that level. It's just hampered by the fact that that it it's in the midst of a movie that just isn't as engaging and it's just too weird for its own good sometimes. I think I do think if you're a a, a devoted Jackie Chan fan and you haven't seen this yet, it is worth seeing. Sure. But I think when you watch it, you're going to be reminded like, oh right, like Jackie Chan works better when he's given the freedom to do more of his own thing. Because even though he choreographed this thing, it just doesn't feel like his style. Or he just hadn't figured out that style yet. It's, again, we're watching this out of order. Like, we're watching it in the order it came out, but chronologically speaking, he made this before he made the movies that really started to define his style. So maybe it's not Lo Wei. Maybe it's him. Maybe he just doesn't have the confidence yet. Whatever the missing ingredient is, this feels like not quite what you want from him, but it's close enough that it's right. still fun to watch. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, in the, the, it's in the same ballpark. So if, if when I was trying to get into Jackie Chan movies in the mid-90s, and I was like, I can't find any at my local video store, if I found a copy of this, I, I probably would have been pretty happy with it, because I'd have been like, oh, that's close enough to what I expected that I can appreciate it, uh, even in the rough form that it was. But you know, watching it in the context of the time, it's like, audiences who are just coming out of Drunken Master and Snake in the Eagle Shadow must have been like, eh, this isn't quite what I want. But, uh, but you know, it, we can see it from here. Uh, as I already mentioned, there's a, a beautiful version of this movie from 88 Films. One of the special features on it, Liam, mentions that, you know, people who are big fans of Bruce Lee, the Bruce Lee that exists, like the four movies or five movies uh, that he made before he passed away, um, that's all you have, right? There's rip-offs and tributes and all that sort of shit. But if you want to see Bruce Lee, there's not that many options. There's a lot of Jackie Chan material from this time period that you can kind of go back to. And being able to see it in this restored form... I mean, it's certainly, even if you don't necessarily appreciate the plot of it, at least you can see it in a form that is, I mean, honestly, it looks better than a lot of the Jackie Chan movies, even ones that are more uh, beloved because of the the restoration and treatment here. I also think there's just, if we are comparing it to just other mid-level kung fu movies, it's pretty freaking good, honestly. It's just... It's just a letdown after we started ramping up with some of his more classic material. Uh, And so, you know, we're both inclined to be a little bit harsher on it. But in reality, I don't think it was a waste of time. And I had fun with big chunks of it. Liam, on the next episode of We Do Our Own Stunts, it's 
1978, once again, Half a Loaf of Kung Fu. Uh, also featuring, of course, Jackie Chan, but also James Tian will be back, as well as Dean Shack once again in this film. Uh, it's about a traveling acrobat going to any length to achieve his dream of becoming a Kung Fu master. I know some people like this movie quite a bit. It's one, if I've seen it, I saw it only in like one of the one of those really uh, almost um, public domain collections and things like that. Liam, any thoughts on 1978's Half a Loaf of Kung Fu? That's a terrible title. It's a terrible, what does it mean? Do you know what the <laughs> title is? Like, is it a reference to something? I assume it means that you're not getting a full loaf of Kung Fu. And I mean, I'm in for enough. the full loaf. I don't need half a loaf. I need a full loaf. <laughs> I mean, half a loaf, I'm looking at uh, the free dictionary's idioms. Uh, half a loaf is means not as much as you want, but better than nothing. So I guess it does make sense. Half a loaf of Kung Fu. On the next episode, if we do our own stunts, <laughs> we'll be finding out what it means in the context of a Jackie Chan movie. Uh, Liam, are you excited for that? Uh, I mean, I'm always excited to watch more Jackie Chan. So yes, I am. <laughs> but I, I'm a little worried, too. We, we are... Ever approaching, and I don't want to make too much of it yet because it's still a few episodes away, we're ever approaching Jackie Chan's move to Golden Harvest, which will completely revolutionize both his career and Kung Fu movies as a whole. Because once he hits Golden Harvest, then it's like him and Sammo and Yun Biao and I mean, and all the imitations. It's basically will be a golden era for martial arts movies at that studio, but we're still a little bit away, which is funny to think. It's like we're still many movies away, but we're only like a few months away in terms of actual time uh, before that actually happens. But we'll talk about that soon enough. Liam, if people want to check out more episodes of We Do Our Own Stunts or other podcasts, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, of course, they can always head to cinepunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X.com. And they can find uh, the latest episodes of this show as well as some of our uh, sister shows like uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve, The Carnage Report, uh, Horror Business, or, of course, Cinepunks itself. They can head over to our website, cinemasmorgasbord.com, to get into our archive or, or to look for specific episodes of specific uh, shows that we do, whether that's our Carol Kane show, Steve Buscemi, Vic Diaz, uh, or our exploration of genre festivals around the world. Um, and, you know, they can find us on social media. Cinepunks is on social media. Uh, uh, again, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we, Cinema Smorgasbord, are on Twitter at Cinema Smorg, S M O R G. You can, of course, follow Liam on Twitter as well, at Liam Rules, that's R U L Z, or you can follow me on there at Doug underscore Chili, that's T I L L E Y. Are you enjoying what you're hearing right now? Why don't you tell a friend? Or you could also leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice. Every little bit helps. You can even let us let other people know on your social media that we're out there, that you're having a good time listening to. We do our own stunts. Joe Dawowski, Praising Kane, or any one of our podcasts over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. But for now, we need to put away the Jackie Chan book for another week. We're going to be back very soon with another Jackie Chan classic. Good night, everyone. Good night. Yeah.